Are you a software professional looking to make a lasting impact on people and the planet? At General Motors, our vision is a world with zero crashes, zero emissions, and zero congestion. And we need innovative people like you to join us on this journey and challenge the limits of what is possible. From autonomous cars to software-defined vehicles, you'll translate breakthrough technologies like AI into experiences that people love, all while pushing the world forward toward an all-electric future. See how you can shape the future of mobility at careers.gm.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need ebay motors has it at affordable prices and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Jake Knapp is the inventor of the design sprint and the New York Times bestselling author of the book Sprint. He's also the co-founder of Character, a venture fund for early stage startups. How and why did you start using Miro? I came from this position of thinking, I don't want to be doing stuff online to thinking now when I do a sprint in person with a company, it's like, we're going to use Miro, even though we're all in the same room, because that's a better way for us to get this work done. As an investor, we're basically investing in their ability to solve problems. We're saying, we think this group of people is going to be able to solve a problem in a really great way and create value by doing it. And actually, you need to give people the tools that can help them make decisions, help them collaborate, help them visualize and see things in a different way. And Miro does all those things. So to me, at least as an investor, I'm thinking, give the team the tools that are going to help them think, that are going to make the most, brighten their, their skills as smart folks. And Miro is at the top of that list. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast with your host, Nate Thomas. Back for the second week in a row, I guess kind of the third week in a row, because we had our Missouri Woods and Water rut recap show two weeks ago. That's kind of basically a Tales of the Chase, and we had an awesome Tales of the Chase last week, and we're here for three in a row. We got our third Tales of the Chase um, episode in a row about this time of year. That's all I like to listen to is stories. Um, I love listening to people tell their stories, and in this one, we've got one of my favorite shows I've recorded in a long time. Um, we've got Dan Johnson, host of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast and owner of 
uh, Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network, on the show to talk about his 2023 uh, archery season, which if any of you follow along with Dan, uh, you know started off not great and ended great. And the reason I wanted to have Dan on so badly because, uh, you know, you can go listen to his podcast about it. Check Nine Finger Chronicles out and listen to the, the story. But the reason I wanted to have him on is because this is a perfect example of what perseverance looks like. A guy like me can, you know, take that and use it. I probably won't. But, hey, uh, can take it and use it because the season's not over. You're going to listen to this shit mid-December some point. I think December 12th, if I'm looking at it right. Season's far from over in Missouri and other places. We've still got a damn month left. But a lot of people feel like it is over once the rut's over. So this is a perfect example as to keeping your head down and, and grinding does. So I need to um, take some of the advice and maybe keep doing that. But it's a great show with Dan and excited uh, and, and thankful that he came on. So before we get into the show, let's uh, hop into our sponsors right quick. Habitat Works, man. Our buddy Dustin Williams talking about Habitat. Um, he is the man to call at 816-752-7390. Call him and get a free consultation. That is worth its weight in gold, I'm telling you now. Um, Dustin is a wealth of knowledge. This is what he went to college for. It's what he's been doing his whole life uh, since college. And he's got a passion for it and can help, you know, your properties, even if it's just a consultation to see what he would do. So give him a call or email him habitatworksllc at gmail.com. Reveal cameras by Tacticam. That's all I use and it's all, you know, I just sent like, God, um, dozens upon dozens of photos and videos to Micah that I had saved on my phone of Baraka that I no longer want on my phone because I don't want to see that deer anymore. And, uh, you know, <laughs> he's out of my life. He's, he's Micah's now. And so I want Micah to have him. And it's just, I mean, it's just amazing how many I had throughout the summer and fall of that deer. So, and they're all taken by Reveal, and they're pretty badass. So check them out, Reveal Cameras. Zamberland Boots, ZamberlandUSA.com. Uh, I've got basically two boots I wear throughout the, the year. Uh, I've got my Lynx, and then I've got, I think they're called the Mastodons. They are uh, insulated. I'll wear those when I'm going to, you know, do a lot of sitting or it gets cold. Uh, but other than that, my Lynx are just badass, and I've, I've got the BOA system on those, and that I just enjoy so much. So check them out. Uh, ZamberlandUSA.com, Alps Outdoors. Use our code 2023 Woods Water for 30% off. Um, I, I can't tell you how many things I own that are Alps. Tents. Tri-leg stools, sleeping bags, uh, cots, uh, all kinds of stuff. Alps has got so much gear. Um, my packs, I mean, you you name it, I've got it. So they've got so much gear and, and so much quality gear, and it's an awesome Missouri-based company that does awesome things in the outdoors. I'm hoping to have the uh, the one of the owners of Alps on in the next you know few weeks to a month uh, to talk about what they do. So uh, check them out, alpsoutdoors.com, Huntworth Gear. Use the code MWW15 for 15% off if they don't have a sale going on because they almost always do. And I want the listener to get the best deal that they can get on some awesome Huntworth gear. I've got a buddy, Cody, 
who just bought some Huntworth gear a few weeks ago. And first thing he said was, this stuff is awesome. And I agree with him. I've been using it for a long time. You know, people will text me or send us messages about, you know, do you, do you like this stuff or do you use this stuff? And, you know, if I wanted people to see my personal life, I'd show you the closet where all my hunting gear is at. And there's not one item that's not Huntworth anymore. It's all it is. And I truly believe in that stuff. That that heat boost stuff is the shit, and it works. And they're great people that own that company, and they, they try to bring an awesome product for a good price to consumers who aren't going to go spend 800 bucks on one freaking coat. Um, you know, I want to spend a couple hundred bucks on something and then use the rest for other gear, man. So that's what I love about Huntworth. Um, you know, when you go buy your stuff, use whatever discount is the best for you. Um, we've got a 15% for 15% code with them, just like I gave you, but man, they, they routinely have 20 and 30% sales. So just mention you heard about them through Missouri woods and water. Um, and then they know that at least, you know, you heard about them through us, but, um, I want y'all get to get the best deal and that shit works. Uh, black Ovis speaking of shit that works MWW 10 for 10% off. Uh, they, it's that online retailer that kind of sells a little bit of everything. Specifically, we got a lot of our trophy line saddle stuff from them. And as soon as I did it the first time, it took me, it t- I will be honest, and Micah can attest to this, it took me a while to try it for the first time because the only person I knew that hunted out of a saddle was my buddy Micah and our buddy Ethan that I really knew. And... I was a little nervous to try it because I haven't practiced and I didn't know nothing about it. And after the first time, it was just like, oh, shit. Okay, I get it. I understand why people like these. And I've been hunting out of the saddle outside of rifle season when I've been on the ground with my boys. Um, That's all I've been hunting out of this year. I don't think I have been in a tree stand, I'm thinking as I'm talking, at all this year. Yep, I have not. It's been a saddle or on the ground, man. So, um, and you can get trophy line stuff right there at Black Ovis and 10% off if you use our code MWW10. Camo Fire Sister Company, while you're up hanging in that freaking saddle, get on that Camo Fire app and check out them deals that you can get on anything hunting related. And uh, on X, use our code MWW20 for 20% off. Uh, pretty much use it daily. Uh, we use it a lot when it comes to uh, coyote season, which is kind of probably be kicking off by the time you guys listen to that for us at least uh andy and mike are playing with house money they already got dead deer uh you know my sons uh, both had chances at deer and then i'm sitting here just tooling my freaking thumbs so i might be on the way to shooting coyotes by the time you listen to this too uh and we use onyx all the time for that weber outfitters um don't quote me on this but weber is having their first ever coyote tournament i think it's going to be january 13th um, they're going to have a flyer and stuff like that. And they got, they got a Facebook page, I believe, uh, for it too. They're going to be uh, teaming up with Movets Outdoors and another area tournament that is no longer going to run out of the same place. Uh, it's going to be at Weber Outfitters. And we don't know this yet, but we're going to try to be there. So it's January 13th in Hawk Point. You might check that out. Uh, and then finally, Athlon Optics during our coyote season those scopes are going to be on our guns. Um, I've got one more scope to mount on another gun 
and I will be set up hopefully for a good while on having to worry about moving scopes around. I'll have all my rifles that I want to coyote hunt or deer hunt with mounted and sighted in, and then I don't have to keep dicking with stuff anymore because I don't like doing that. Uh, I've got a night gun now, and I've got some day rifles, and I'm, I'm to the point where I'm almost happy, uh, although you can never have enough rifles, right? So check out Athlon Optics, athlonoptics.com. Find a dealer near you or reach out to us, and we will get you in contact with dealers we think are awesome, which includes Weber Outfitters, by the way. I think that's it. Um, let's just get into the show with Dan Johnson on this awesome Tales of the Chase of his 2023 archery season. This is the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. Okay, with me today, we've got the nine-fingered ninja on the line. Have you ever been called that, Dan? Uh, I've been called the ginger ninja before <laughs> because I have little, like, I kind of have a reddish beard. Yeah. And so uh, the other day on Instagram, some dude was just like, oh, the ginger ninja strikes again. And I, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Well, I'm the first to coin you the nine-finger ninja. You know, and, Andrew Munch has called you the emperor, so I, I got to figure something else out. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. At least it's a, a decently respectful nickname instead of, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, like, Dumbass. I, uh, um, with me today is Dan Johnson, the piece of shit. Um, <laughs> that's his nickname. A human garbage. <laughs> the human piece of garbage. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm used to all that, man. I get it. I get it. Well, uh, we're excited to, I'm excited to talk to you today. Uh, we're going to do an, a second Tales of the Chase episode in, in two weeks. Um, and, you know, I, I obviously am, you know, friends with you and, you know, I'm on your network. So we, I pay attention to what's going on in your season. Yep. yep. And uh, before we started recording, I told you how, you know, I kind of feel like I want to kill myself and have a really positive mm-hmm. attitude on the season. And at the same time, I was watching your season and you had some shit happen at the beginning of the season and then, you know, stuck with it. And, you know, nobody who's listening to this probably doesn't know the fact that you, you made it happen. So mm-hmm. I thought it'd be cool to, to kind of tell the story of the season for you, how it went from, you know, beginning to end. And, you know, this Tales of the Chase is really just a a nice, I mean, it's going to come out mid-December, second week of December. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of people have already gotten bucks or target deer on the ground, and some are out there like me, just you know, screwing around still. So mm-hmm. this is a nice story to kind of hear that is all centered around perseverance, yep. and you know, not putting the gun barrel in your mouth uh, when shit mm-hmm. goes wrong, <laughs> figuratively right. speaking. Hopefully not literally, right. but um, yeah. So let's just—I uh, well, mean. Oh, let me let me start by saying this. Yo, Nate, I don't say this to just anybody, but maybe it's time for you to find a different hobby. <laughs> it it would not matter, bro. Any hobby I have, the problem, and I think there's a lot of hunters like this. The problem I have is I grew up playing sports. I played them in high school and college, and I'm a super competitive person. So when I don't win, I get pissed. Yeah, I get, and it's the I same with deer hunting. 
Um, I try every year. I, be, I say I'm going to be positive. If something doesn't go my way, you know, I'm going to be positive, blah, blah, blah. And every year you can ask Andy and Micah, by October 15th, I'm bitching. <laughs> and the run hasn't even hit. <laughs> it's, you know, it's just one of them deals. If I lose once, I don't like it. So, oh, uh, man, that shit happens. I'm with you. And, um, you know, you had a lot of reason to be, you know, negative. But let's let's start at the beginning of your season and just kind of, um, you know, work the way through the the – the story but everything that happened happened on the same farm right yes my entire season i went to a different farm the first two weeks or the second week of october and then i went on a western hunt and then i came back uh did halloween with a family and then november 1st the afternoon of november 1st was my first official what i'll say is rut hut vacation day right 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 yeah, that's what yeah. i thought um because i remember you kind of laying out the property and and i guess before we get into the to the actual stories for the listener who hasn't you know followed along kind of paint a picture of the property that you're hunting because it in itself is kind of interesting the way you got to deal with it uh you and i have talked yeah, about man. access and all that so kind of talk about the property right quick yeah, so it's it's money. Like, let me just kind of paint the picture here of the past before I even got access to this farm. This farm sits in the smack dab middle of like a mile and a half by two mile section with no roads going right in, in between it. All the terrain features dump right down into this property and it's just it's just holds deer. It holds deer on a very small scale. And what I mean by that is it's the total, the 200, it's 240 acres, but all of it is ag except for 15 or 20 acres of it. Okay. And so it's broken down into like 180 and then another 80 uh acres roughly and so this this separate 80 acres which has no egg on it it is a it's a north south rectangle and i can only access it through the southeast corner it's it's basically a corner crossing between the two parts of the farm uh to the northeast of that is uh a different landowner and then all the way surrounding it is a different landowner and so i can only access it through the um through the southeast gate this southeast gate so what i've found is anytime i would walk through there there's a hillside that faces that gate entrance mm-hmm. and the deer would lay on the it, on this hill or they'd they'd be bedded right next to this gate crossing they'd see me walk in white tails up and they'd run away and then the deer for the that evening the deer would move in in a completely different direction and so it took me a while to figure out how to access this particular portion because once i would get in and it was really only 100 yards that i had to worry about until i would hit uh this pot this area where this pond was at and it's surrounded by pin oak trees and uh if you're not familiar with pin oak trees their leaves stay on almost all winter long yep yep okay and so that creates kind of a 
a screen for me to get into in, in there. But I still had to walk this 100, 115 yards, and I would be blowing deer out left and right. Well, that, so I said, I, I got to do something. Am I going to drive my truck in through here? Well, last year, I, I bought an e-bike and I didn't buy it because of Iowa. I mean, I, I can walk, I can walk to all my places in Iowa, but my e-bike, I bought it for out West sure, for access to go further, to go deeper, to go on roads that may be wet or damaged, you know, just, just better access. Well, so last, so I, last year I hunted that property first then I got my e-bike, went out west, and then I brought my e-bike with me. And I found that when I would drive my e-bike through this gate crossing, the deer would just look at me. And they wouldn't run away. And then I would just keep going out of their distance and then they would go back to normal. So they looked at me as if I was a piece of farm equipment or a car or something like that. They non, just, a non-threatening item. Exactly. They just went to it in a negative light. The only time that they would react to it is if they were standing on the path that I was driving on and then, and my headlamp hit them and then they would get spooked out and run away. But you know, they didn't, I'd see them later that night or, right. you know, later in the day or, or the next morning. So it wasn't like I was spooking them at all. And so that is how I started accessing this property. And I would drive my bike all the way in, down into this pin oak stand pull it into the pin oaks, lay it down, walk through the pin oaks to this pond wall. And then from this pond wall, I could access four different stand locations. And so, I, man, it was like figuring out a way to get away with murder. Yes. Yeah. It, it was so, it was su such a, a difference in deer movement. Once I started using that e-bike to get into this property. Well, I, I think that that is lesson number one for folks. And I actually used what you did and what mm -hmm. I've heard previously for our own property this year that Micah killed the giant on instead of me. But um, like from a, from an access point, if you're only going to have one corner of a farm to get to access, I mean, the Southeast corner isn't the worst corner. You know what I'm saying? From yeah. a wind perspective, but yeah, what you had to deal with getting in there is what you had the problem, you know, wind wise. I mean, most of the time you're going to be cutting wind or the wind's going to be in your face based mm -hmm. on the wind that we have here. I'm guessing most of the time you're going to have Northwest, Southwest, North, yeah, or South winds. North, North or South. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so like the only time it would be a problem is if it was an East wind. But after that, I shot my deer on an East wind and the reason that I got to where I got to is because I was able to ride my bike up into this pin yeah. stand and then walk this straight line into the timber with the, at my back blowing out to an opposite side uh, ag field on yep. the other side that had some cattle in it. And and then I once I was in the stand, oh, man, it was locked tight. And that that's where Mike and I made a decision this, this year because um, we you, you started doing this last year, if I remember correctly could be wrong or maybe it was this mm -hmm. year but um you talked about using that e-bike and getting in a little easier and then there was another guy we had on our show held two years ago that talked about 
during the summer he drives his side by side to feed the deer and he's conditioning the deer to associate the sound of his side by side to nothing bad and so this whole summer we took my side by side the property is only like five minutes from my house so driving my truck would be easy but we would hop in the side by side drive it out there to dump mineral change camera cars whatever we were doing we would do that all summer long because we kind of remember what you talked about and this other dude. And so every time I hunted this year before it got super freaking cold, I drove side by side. Um, our access was kind of similar to yours. It's, it kind of sucked. It was only from the east and you going up and then down a hill right towards the timber they, they would be in. And so they would see you wide open. So I would drive that yep. side by side to the timber's edge. Then I'd get everything ready with the side-by-side running. I'd turn it off, and I'd duck into the timber. I did not booger one deer all year long. Um, Now, I don't know that. Who knows what happened in the timber when I'm driving down. Um, But there were multiple times I came out that that night, and there were deer near my side-by-side that I had to either wait till they got out or, or, you know, they saw me before I I noticed them. But um, that's that's a good learning point right off the bat for folks is – figuring out you know i used to be the dude that i would just go bust in and make it like i would just i called it i would disturb the woods and i would stop i would you know i would cause problems and i would get out of it but man how many times did you disturb the deer that you were hoping to see and not know it because you were you know you were stomping through there trying to get in there quick and, and get it over with and you were in the same boat you had that hundred yard stretch that yeah, you could have just busted ass real quick, you know, ran across the damn field or whatever you wanted to do, make it yep. happen, but it wouldn't have mattered. They're going to see you or smell you, one of the one of the two, and yep. it could just be the the deer you're after. So that e-bike idea was, yep. I mean, you know, thank God for yep. mule deer hunting, right? Because that that's why you bought it originally. Yeah, but yep. utilize what the you other got. Cool, kind of, yeah, the other cool thing about it's not necessarily just the e-bike. Yes, the e-bike helped. But this property is so, it hunts so small that you really only have limited places because in that 80 acres that I have to access, I about 15 to 10 of it is timber. Um, there are, there that pin oak stand, they're, they're all the size of baseballs, right, like baseball right. bats. I mean, that's how small they are. And so it's the fact I could not. So I have this theory and I call them hard bumps and I call them soft bumps. A hard bump would be like me walking through the timber and a deer seeing me and smelling me and he's gone. Right. A soft bump would be like me pulling my truck up to a trail camera that's in the same timber that these deer are bedded. They may move out, but I, you know, I keep my truck running and then I check my trail camera, get back in, drive away. I feel that is kind of a soft bump where they, they know there's a vehicle running right there, but they're not scared enough for it to be a threat as every year there's combines and planters and sprayers right. and, and all these other, you know, farm equipment guys out there on four wheelers running cattle and things like that. And so it's really, it's, it's, it's a lot of it has 
has to do with just not hard bumping them. Yeah. And that kind of leads into a part of the story where I needed to get more tree stands on this property. Last year, I got lucky. Third hunt, fourth hunt, went in there. Um, I had two tree stands up before the season started. I thought I was going to be able to get away with those two stands again. It did not happen. They mowed a path around a certain tree and all the deer were walking that path that mode path because it was the path of least resistance so yep. they were last year they're at 19 yards this year they're at 44 yards and so for me in a tree stand trying to stop a deer at 44 yards was a little bit i, I didn't really want to take that that shot yeah and so i needed to get some new tree stands in there so what did i do got on my e-bike drove back to my truck got in my truck, drove my truck into the property, parked it right on the field edge, kept it running while I was hanging my tree stands in the in the timber or along the timber or in this little pinch that they all kind of go through. Yep. And I set two I set three different tree stands doing that. One 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 time and then two tree stands on the second time. And I was pretty intrusive into the timber. But I think that soft bump, pulling my truck up there, allowed them to stand up, kind of walk or trot away. I could get into the timber, set up the tree stand, come up, drive away, and then eventually they're like, eh, it's yeah. not a big deal. I you say, you say soft bump, harm bump, and it's the way I think of it. Everything in the woods knew you were there. Yep. There's no question. Yep. But when, it, let's say you did it the, the other way and you tried sneaking in there. Nope. And then and then you bump a deer, whether it's a target buck or just a group of does. Right. He was being he was he was a danger to me. He he tried he was trying something. It's almost like they yep. know what is danger and what's not from mm-hmm. that aspect. I mean, you driving your truck back there is no different than the dudes farming all damn year. Right. So no, I I, right. I mean I took a lot from you when you talked about this last year and then the other the other fellow we've talked to, but because. You were at the beginning of the season. You were after a specific buck, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. And all the things that you're doing are playing into that. The beginning of the story, right? Yeah, right. I mean, my eyes were on one deer th- this year, and were every st- still move, are. Yeah, still <laughs> are. Uh, and uh, every move that I was making was to put myself into into position for this. I mean, I passed some really good, man, this is the first time in a long time I've passed multiple four-year-olds in one year. I'm usually not that guy. I'm that guy who says, I have an age class grouping. I want to shoot the top tier. I don't care what bucket is, but it has to fall under this category. And this year was, I said to myself, oh man, you got because he's he's a perfect typical 10 booner and i was just like man i want him so bad because i had him on camera last year i believe and watched him all you know watched him all summer watched him or i didn't watch him i mean i got him on trail camera right um got started picking him up on cell cams um i was when i went there uh in August, I was able to check some cameras and and kind of figure out a pattern, not necessarily how this deer was coming through the property, but what the what these doe groups were doing. 
And so I just said it's a matter of time before these deer start to follow, pester, get downwind, come out and start scent checking these does. And so really what I was doing is I was hunting doe groups. Um, yep. And eventually he showed up. What's the saying? Where there's hoes, there's bros. That's absolutely true. <laughs> absolutely true, man. Yep. Yeah, there was a podcast I was listening to. It might have been yours. I suck at remembering who I was listening to, but there's a dude that actually pays attention to does like on camera more, mm. almost more than he does bucks. And he'll try to yeah. identify does and even name them, you know, kind of like you do bucks. Yep. Um, because if he can figure out like exactly when a certain doe might even go into estrus or when she drops a fawn in the spring, he can almost guarantee like this little window when she's going to come in. And yeah. if he knows exactly who she is and what her habits are, then he knows that he'll be able to find the bucks from there, which is yep. super freaking smart. But um, you you did the kind of the same thing. You were figuring out the doe um, habits and setting up to kind of, you know, not really hunt them. But if you saw them, you knew you were in a good a good area, a good spot for that day. Yep, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, how did, how did the hunt for him go, uh, through, well, I don't remember exactly when everything happened, but I know it happened. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm sitting there. It is the afternoon of October 30th and he daylighted like an hour early. And so I said, now's the time, like, but you know, we got kids shit to do. <laughs> Freaking so Halloween, I, man. Yeah. Trick-or-treating. Yep. Did trick-or-treating. And, and then uh, the November 1st is when I when I head out. Uh, and I, my goal was to hunt the, the property the very first, um, uh, to hunt the property uh, the afternoon of November 1st. So here's one thing that I have found in the properties that I, that I hunt. The rut does not start November 1st, all right? So the pre-rut goes into November, however many days. The rut can start happening on your farm at a different time than on my farm, even if they're just right next door to each other. Different doe groups go into um, heat at different times. Even individual does can go into heat different times. Yeah, for sure. But what I've found over the years that the the most deer movement that i will see in a given time frame is november 1st to november 5th and 6th and what's awesome about that is is that they start to daylight the the does aren't ready yet they're moving around they're scent checking they're starting to follow and that buck um he was all over the farm in that five first five days of November, I, I'm, I'm assuming laying scrapes. Um, he was looking, checking doe groups. He was checking multiple doe groups. I mean, I had him, I had him all over. Long story short, he ends up, um, he ends up disappearing for like a day. I think it was. It's like sure of him on the 31st, but then November 1st and November 2nd, I was like, man, what, what's this deer? What's this deer doing? Like I, I, I lost him. Well, he shows back up one morning when I'm in this, in a tree stand and he's with a doe already. 
but he wasn't really interested in her. He was just kind of following her because I feel like he knew she was going to be the very first doe that came about came, came you know, in like, that came that came into heat. And so he ends up following her down into a brush. I called, I tried the rattling sequences and shit like that. He looked back at me, but as you know, they very rarely get called off does. Right. Okay. Later that morning, he comes through this thicket again, this little pinch that I'm in, except he's at 70, uh, completely broadside, but I'm not taking that shot. Right. Right. Uh, the doe, the doe pulls him through. And I said to my, that's when I said to myself, I have to get off of this stand and go put up another stand. So I believe it was the fourth. Yeah, the fourth of November. I have never killed a, my birthday's November fifth, and I have never killed a deer on November fifth. Don't know why. Don't know how, but I just haven't. Oh, isn't that uh, didn't shipwreck happen on your birthday? Yeah, like, yeah, and that that was on 2010. Yeah, a long like time, said, long time ago. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I've never killed. I've never killed him. I've never killed any deer. Yeah, I've hit him, but I, you know, I, I hit him, but I've never killed him. Yeah. So anyway, maybe it's just like tainted because of that 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 day. Right. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, hey, dude, you should just go drinking instead yeah. of don't fucking hunt <laughs> on the November fifth. Yeah. Just go drinking instead, and then hunt on the sixth. <laughs> well, the the morning of the fourth, I saw him. And that's when I went back to my truck. I drove my tr my truck right up to this uh, timber, uh, this little funnel where everything um, comes down into this cattle pasture. Multiple pieces of timber kind of come in here. The terrain's just perfect. And that's why the deer moved through there. And I said, man, I got to get down in there because I have multiple pictures of this deer in this pinch. I have... Um, I saw him come through here multiple times. And so I, I drove my truck set up and the afternoon of the fourth, I got back into the, into the tree in that new uh, stand that I set up. I did the same exact thing, rode my e-bike into the pin oak stand, walked to my uh, stand that I saw him at this morning and then walked that. I had a, I had a wind shift from South to West mm -hmm. and it was kind of cutting a little Northwest, which I thought if a deer, if the deer were going to, no, it was, it was still South, but it was South West actually. Yeah. Southwest. And it was, it was blowing into this pin oak stand, but what was happening is unbeknownst to me, that pin oak stand was, wasn't allowed because all the leaves were on it. The wind was hitting it, not necessarily allowing the, the, the wind to go through. It was creating a barrier and then pushing my scent right up that, right up that um, yeah. deal. Yep. Right up the pin oak meets the pasture. And so I'm sitting there and sure enough, he shows up about 300 yards away. Doe pops out, he pops out and he's scent checking a doe. And then it's just like, nah, he just starts walking around feeding. So I crack the antlers together. And sure enough, head up, and he comes right in, frozen rope. And the way that he's coming in, he's going to give me a 20-yard broadside shot if he just stays on this line. Well, after I set my antlers down, I look behind me, and another younger buck is to the east of me. 
And so as he's walking, this other buck pops out and he looks up at this uh, other deer and he starts to fade closer to that deer. Yeah, sure. Still coming in my direction, but now he's entering in my scent. And I needed two, he was at 28 or 32 yards. I can't remember those two numbers, but he was right at 30 yards. And if there wasn't one little branch, I would have had a shot at him then. But then he busted me, walked it, uh, walked out into the pasture, blew at me two times, went back down into the uh, timber and walked away from me. And uh, I didn't know, like, I'm like, there goes, you know, I, I thought that was going to be my only shot I had at him. He busted me and then it was over. Right. The saving grace is, is this is where all the does hang out. It's the rut. Yeah. That's the saving grace, right? Yeah. Right. That happens on September 15th to you or whenever your season first opens. Yeah. He he goes nocturnal. Yeah. That, that's uh, that. For a while. But yeah, that's, that's where the rut kind of is nice because he probably forgot about what just happened an hour and a half later when he was back on a doe, you know, 100%. And the reason I say that is because an hour and a half later, sun's going down. It's getting ready to get dark. I saw him pop out of the same timber right where he came out of the first time I saw him that night. And then he walked away from me. Yep. And I said, okay, he's still in the area, but he was by himself, put the binos up, saw him lay a scrape, crossed into a different property. And that's where I lost him. And so I was like, okay, there was going to be a, a slight wind shift that night. So I went, or that next morning. So I went back to the pond wall uh, stand because that's where I saw him come the morning uh, off that morning. And sure enough, he didn't show up. And I said, dude, he's going to come through this pinch at some point. At some point, he's going to come through this, this pinch. He's going to be looking. I, I just got to. I got to be there and I got to, I got to get in a different stand. The wind shift. This is when on November, the, the, so no, November 5th, I hunted the, the morning I hunted on the pond wall. Then it shifted or it was South stayed South November 5th. And I ended up going to the very north side of the property and my sense blowing into the field well the 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 wind in this area is a little iffy it kind of goes back and forth um thermals really fight predominant wind direction in this area and when the wind is consistent and it doesn't like breathe take a breath like whenever the wind stops and it's not gusting it sucks back in and then it blows back out. So I'm I'm ruining a lot of this, but I can get away with things coming in from the west of me. And sure enough, a big nine pointer came in that night, and I didn't I didn't seal the deal on him. I saw another absolute giant nine pointer. Uh, I think he was a nine. No, he wasn't. He was like a eleven. Huge nine uh, eleven pointer came in that night. I needed him to take like another step. And he, he just walked away. Um, I grunted at him once, snort wheezed at him once, and then he walked out away and I I didn't see him. So the morning of November 6th, I go back to the pond wall stand. And then I said, after that hunt, I'm going to do the same thing. And then I, I saw that there was an east wind in the forecast. Yep. 
after the morning hunt, went back, didn't see too much that morning. Like uh, a really good four-year-old eight-pointer that next year is going to be ridiculous if all of his points continue to grow and, and like sprout out the junk. Anyway, I get the truck. I go back down into the timber edge, set up a brand new uh, a tree stand in the pinch for a west wind. I get... I, I keep the truck running. I go in, set up another stand for the east wind, which is foreshadowing for a later a later t- uh, thing that we're going to be discussing. And long story short, I drive the truck up. I go, go back to the hotel. I take a quick nap, come back out, same access route, walk right up to my stand, climb up, and instantly start seeing deer movement. I mean, it's nothing serious. Just, you know, a couple of does popping out in about. Yeah. But it gets your, it gets your blood pumping right off the bat. Like, yeah. Oh, it, I'm yeah. in the good, I'm in the spot. The shitty part about this though, is the good spots are awesome, but I don't like having so many deer around me because that wind shifts or floats or, or thermals just change something for just a moment. Even a, even a cloud coming through the sky blocking the sunlight can change your thermals for just yeah. a very small period of time and it's going to do something and well sure enough a doe got behind me yep that night she blew and blew and blew and blew and i was like i should have shot her i was she gonna was say like, you are asking for I, it i'm not uh, yeah uh, and she then she ended up working away she was with one of her yearling fawns and i'm like well i ain't seeing shit tonight well 200 yards down, all these does start to pop up, then the younger bucks, then another doe group, and guess who's behind that doe group? My number one. And so this time I'm like, I'm back in this pinch. I don't want to rattle this time because I feel like if I rattle, it's going to not only cause deer to come downwind to me and blow at me, but that buck has already been educated that he comes into a rattle and he is now, right? He's now, it's like he, he got, he busted me. So he, if they can make that a distinction. Connection, yeah. Good for, yeah, connection, good for them. Anyway, buck, the buck comes in, or the, uh, the does start to shit, like flow my way. And what they do is they go through this pinch, they hug the pond wall, and then they go up to the ag fields. And, Dude, it just worked. It worked like, like if you, if I wrote it down on a piece of paper of how, here's what I want the deer to do in this stand. I want you to hug that timber line, come up to me, cross right in front of me, go up by the pond wall. And it kind of happened that way. The deer, it was the first hot doe. I think it's the one that he was following to the two on the fourth. He goes, he's following her. All these other bucks are starting to creep in. Like when I say other bucks, I mean like three young, like two-year-olds right. were pestering her too. He was snort wheezing at him. I mean, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome watching this. And they came into this little pin oak stand and I thought they were going to go through the pin oak stand to get to, instead of coming to me. And then that would have put them at like 35, 40 yards. And I would have had a very short window to shoot through. Like, I didn't really want to stop them, but if I had to, I, I could have. 
Well, they went in, the doe stayed out. I heard some commotion. I think the buck went in to chase these other bucks away. He comes back out and now his nose is to the ground following this doe. And they work, they're at like 35, they're at 40 yards. He's broadside at 40. He's following the doe. The doe's hugging the timber edge, coming right through this little area. He's at range. He's at 35, 30, 28. Once he got to 25, I put down and it, because at that point it didn't <laughs> It's my top matter. pin now. Yeah. Yep, yep, top pin. Doe comes through and he is hard quartering towards me at I'm gonna say 22 yards is what I arranged it. I draw back and my forearm drags against this tree and it's dead quiet. So it makes the his head comes up, looks around, the doe gets freaked out and she bounds off, but he stands right there. His head comes up, but it goes. And so the doe went away from me. His head turned to look away. That's and I was already at full draw, so I set my pin. And I it was a hard quartering towards uh hard quartering two shot, 22 yards. I mean, if I could rewind and do it again, I would have just com completely murdered him. Like right there, boom. He would have taken 10 steps and fall fallen over dead if right. the arrow did what it was supposed to do or or there wasn't any hunting error. Well, I drew back, man. Buck fever, biggest, biggest buck of my life is right in front of me. Uh, I've had other deer bigger in front of me, but I've messed up on those two, right? And so <laughs> right. I got, I straight up got buck fever. I shot him real high in the neck, above the spine, in all the meat. And my first reaction was, fuck. He's, he's not going to die. And I don't know if you've ever, I mean, you've been there, you, you know, you, yep. I mean, I've, we talk about that all the time. You go through this, it just emotion, emotions just sank. And I was like, the only thing that I'm going to be able to hold my hat on is if he ends up, if I got nicked some kind of artery, yep. but my, my initial gut reaction is, He's not going to die. Well, I followed blood. I got down onto my stand. This was like after 40 minutes. Went and found the arrow. Light was fading. I followed blood into the... Um, I followed blood into the timber. And then I was like, okay, this timber's so small, I, I can't risk it. Can't I can't risk so I bumping him out of here bumping him out of here. Right. And I saw a deer as I'm leaving the timber heading back up to the bike. I saw the deer on the top of the ridge. It was a buck. I couldn't tell if it was him or not, but I'm thinking it was him. Yeah. So knowing what, what you know, is, knowing what you know now. Right. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So next day, take the e-bike all the way down the next morning. I, I left him lay or, you know, let him go overnight. Got my e-bike, drove down to where uh, he entered the timber, and I started following blood, followed blood. I mean, this is, long story short, followed blood for about 250, uh, 300 yards, and then it st slowly started dissipating into nothing. I found the last drop of blood I found was right at where the timber meets this sea of green grass, short green grass, 
And I knew right then, like it was over. My gut says, dude, he, yeah, it's over. Yeah. He's still alive. And what's and crazy so, is like, I, I, I think I texted you that more. I'm like, dude, you're going to find him. Cause the blood you yeah. found like looked legitimate, like legitimate blood, yeah. which I mean, I know they can bleed, yeah. bleed, but, and then uh, you do a really good job on your Instagram of posting that your stories and you'll, yeah. you'll do a picture or a video and you'll continue on. And I was, con- you know, watching along and I'm like, man, that deer's dead. He's got him. He's got him. Mm-hmm. He's got him. Yeah. And then you're like, oh shit, it's drying up. And yeah. you know, then, then you, you reach that green field and yeah, I was, I was with you there and then you did yeah. more, but yeah, you, you got to that field, couldn't find any more blood. And, and that's when you probably started realizing things were not going to go your way. Right. Well, two things happened there. One, I was like, I just messed up on the biggest, you know, what would would have been the biggest buck of my life. Two, um, which is good. I had a really strong feeling he was still going to live. Yeah. And that was confirmed a handful of days later when uh, I got him on trail camera for the first time. And so uh, after that, I was just, I was like mentally defeated, to be honest with you, because there's a little part of me. That was like, dude, you're a content creator. You talk to, you know, you're a podcast. So there's a part of me that was like, hey, this guy's got it. This guy's got to do it right. He's got, he's got to be the guy who doesn't have any mistakes, right? Because you know, I grew up in the same environment you did in the the outdoor channel where they didn't show mistakes when I was a kid. At in like no. all the big buck videos. No, it was all, all kills. Yeah. All kills, all money shots, right? There was no mistakes. And so I was mentally defeated and I was like, and plus I had just grid after I couldn't find him, I continued to grid search the whole farm looking for him. Just blow it the fuck up. Oh, I blew it. I blew it right up. And so I said, well, I can't hunt this farm now. And so I'd already been gone for six days. And so after I grid searched, that which would have been the 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 all of the seventh November seventh I grid searched. I then went back home, got in my car, and said, "Hey, I'm gonna be done. I'm gonna home be done with for my tail a while. between my legs. Yeah, I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna let the farm recover for three days, however many days, and then I'm getting back at it. And so I don't have my phone on me, but November November seventh was like a a Tuesday or something like that. Yeah, a Tuesday. And then I went home and it was I was going to go to my boys basketball game on on Friday night, but he had a bye week. And so I said, "Okay, which would have been November 10th. Uh, is that right? 8th, 9th, 10th. Yep. And so November 11th is when I got back in the car and I drove back out, you know, I went back out to the farm. It's like four hours away from where I live, three, three and a half hours away from where I live. So I got back in the car, drove there, went back to the pile. And I'm just like, I was kind of in a, like a funk or a numb. I wasn't as excited about hunting as I was. I wasn't, you were, um, you were just like there because you have to be. Oh right, yeah, I was right? going. I was yeah. going through the motions. And L- let me. Uh, we're gonna lead to. 
I want to jump ahead just for a yeah, second on this deer because it'll he'll come back up. But so you st- you did get a you confirmed he's alive and he's continued to confirm mm-hmm. that for you. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever seen in any of the pictures where the injury is? Can you tell like yep. what ended up happening? Last week I got a completely perfect broadside shot of him. I was in no man's land. Yep. I hit him high in, in the neck. If I, if my air four inches lower, we're talking, we're talking heart lung type scenario. Yeah. But it was right through the meat, and it came out of the the void that's in front of the vitals, right in front of his shoulder, his opposite side shoulder. So there was a big white scar there. And he's acting Instantly fine. Knew where he came out. Yep. I, I cannot believe how fast these deer recover from getting shot with a broadhead. Yep. All Crazy. the way through their body. Like all the way. Yeah, two yep. holes. Two I saw holes. I saw a video the other day of a deer that had its entire jugular like missing. Like yep. I'm not kidding you. Almost like a football sized chunk out of its throat. And it's just acting like he's normal. Yep. I th- I think I think I've heard someone say that now don't quote me on this, but I think I've heard someone say that it's the increased amount of testosterone in their body that allows them to like ignore the pain and keep going. And it also allows them to heal faster. I can see That's, that. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's literally pulsing through their bodies at that time, like exactly. no other. So, I mean, that would make sense, but yep. he's okay. Good, uh, cool. All right. You can go back to where you were. Sorry. Yeah. Afternoon. Uh, of the afternoon of I'm trying to think here afternoon of the 11th I'm back on the farm it's an afternoon hunt I go clear to the north side at a uh at a west or uh let afternoon of the 11th had a south wind went clear to the north side of the property hunted that stand again just does small bucks didn't really see too much um had a like a three-year-old nine-pointer who, if he makes it two more years, is going to be something special. Should kind of work his way through the area. Nothing. Went back to the pond wall stand that next morning on a north wind. Um, and I knew I was going to have to get out of that wind, that stand early because about nine o'clock, the wind was going to shift from straight north which was good for me to Northeast, which was pushing my wind right into this uh, pinch that mm-hmm. I've been hunting with all, all those tree stands. Uh, so I had to leave this stand early with the plan, knowing that when it shifted all the way to the East wind, I could get back into that stand that I set up. What? 10 days earlier, right. or, you know, seven days earlier. So same thing, drive the truck to the farm, e-bike from the farm to the pin oak stand drop down to the pond wall i'm walking by two other stands that i've already set up and i'm going in to the timber to be honest i thought i was going to bump deer walking in there with especially with an east wind but the way this terrain comes it all comes down uh into this point and then it's like a a a car garage like a parking garage parking ramp where the terrain kind of goes up and spreads out and then there's like cricks that create these giant banks in there right, right. and so the the deer either have to go they have to go one or two directions 
And so I think they were just bedded outside of that area. And I ended up making it to my tree stand, setting up and just my wind was doing exactly what I wanted. I didn't bump any deer coming in. I didn't see any deer. Uh, it, it was just, it was just a really good location for an East wind. I, I, to the, to the Southwest of me was a finger leading into another property that I know uh, I had a, I had a trail camera there throughout the entire last season. I know there was a crit crossing within shooting range of me. It was money. Like I had an opportunity there. I had, um, if the deer would stay high above the bank, uh, coming through this like little grove of Osage orange trees, mm-hmm. I'd get, they'd walk right in front of me. They dropped down into this, just a really, really spot. And it was the first time all year that I hunted in the, in the actual timber of this property, because I knew I, I had very limited time left. So I had to start being ultra aggressive in my, uh, in my setups in order to put myself in a position. Well, Here's the cool part about this. You know, I I mentioned earlier was just not in the not in the zone anymore. I was right. just dull. Yep. I was like I wasn't thinking. I really wasn't thinking about deer hunting. And the previous before I put an arrow in that my number one buck didn't kill him. It was like I was in a tree stand doing this. I was just like shaking my head, looking one direction, looking the other. Okay, there's a the deer. Evaluate him. What is he? Blah, blah. And I was just like high strung. Well, after that hit, it really took a lot of that out of me. And I was sitting in my tree stand and I, for that was one of the most relaxing hunts that I've ever been in. I was, I I was sitting in a tree stand that was leaning back against a tree. And so I was real comfortable. Yep. Um, I was also in a saddle, so I would stand up and I would lean out away from the tree and I was just comfortable and it was a gorgeous day. It wasn't hot. It wasn't, um, it was warmer than normal, but it wasn't like sweaty hot. Uh, there was a little bit of a breeze coming out of the, uh, South, the East. My, my, my wind cone was going East, Southeast or heading. Well, it would have been West Northwest. Right. With an, with an East wind. And so, I was sitting there and I, I was thinking about an upcoming wrestling tournament that I had that weekend. And I wasn't even thinking about deer hunting. I was just like completely zoned out, not even thinking. And it was like an alarm clock went off in the woods and the squirrel just, just was going absolutely bananas. And I saw him and heard him run up this tree and then he's looking away from me. And just, you know, barking like they do at, mm-hmm. you know, coyotes and or bobcats. And that's what I thought it was. I thought, ah, oh, coyotes coming through, bobcats coming through. And I look into the CRP field and I see like one or two tines. And I was like, oh, wow, that's, well, there's a, at least a deer's coming through. Put the binos on. I was like, I don't know. He doesn't look too special. But he, you know how in the, um, if you have a field edge or a CRP field and then it meets the timber that all that light gets into there and it creates like a 10 yard, five yard wall of vegetation, mm-hmm. usually thick bushes or tall grasses. Um, Cause the light hits there and then it, then it opens back up into the timber. Well, 
He went into there, Bino's still on him, stepped out. He's getting ready to drop down into this creek. And he turned his head sideways. And I'm like, oh, oh shit. shit. <laughs> oh, shit. That's a shooter. Shooter. Bino's down. No, I didn't even look at him again. And he came right up this draw to, to me. But he's behind an Osage orange tree. And you know they're pretty low and they have all the little uh, branches coming out all over. So mm-hmm. I was like, man, I don't know if he, he's going to have to work past that. And he was at like 35 yards when I arranged him the first time, I think. Somewhere around there. And he hits my scent trail. Like where, where you walked? Like my, or where I walked, my, okay. my access. And his nose went straight to the ground. Here's where it gets really cool, I think. I am a huge fan of nose jammer mm-hmm. and I use it liberally. Like I spray my quiver. I spray my bino harness, my hat, my boots, my backpack. I, I, I douse myself in it because that doesn't smell like humans. And I kind of, kind of like the science behind it or how, how the theory works, Yep. but he smelled it and he took a hard turn towards me and started walking towards me following that scent trail. Almost curious, like, yeah, you know, he was what? a little curious. Yeah, I, I would have been somewhere between thirty and thirty-five yards. Well, he came towards me, and then he kind of peeled off, which put him broadside behind a tree, and his nose was to the ground. And it was like, okay, well, I'm not interested in this, and so he peeled off to head back up into this timber, and he was behind a tree. And I needed him to take like three steps. He took three steps, perfectly broadside. And his head was down. He was smelling the ground. He even took a couple bites of this plant. Let the arrow go. Well, and, first you said to yourself, Johnson. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was when I said, oh, shit, and then identified it was a shooter. I was repeating this phrase over and over in my head. It was like, Johnson, don't fuck this up. Johnson, don't fuck this up. I like over. And I'm just, and so it, what was cool about it is he's broadside, draw back. And I had this like real, real moment of clarity where I wasn't, didn't have buck fever, drew back. The pin was illuminated right behind his shoulder squeeze the trigger off and the, i'm sure you've been there before i know a lot of the listeners have been there but there's this moment where everything slows down when the arrow is in the air and it was almost slow motion watching the arrow go right to him hit him fletching's buried into him fletching's you know and then he kicks and then it's fast forward wham right he's off i i see him run like 30 yards 40 yards and he starts doing the penguin wobble right back legs go real wide tails flickering he's kind of getting wobbly and he starts sidestepping behind this uh big bush multiflower rose entanglement and i lost him but i heard a crash and just from my experience i said he is dead right there Mm -hmm. and that's when i just dude i got real emotional uh, the, and the reason is, is because I, I put a lot of energy and effort 
And I want to make sure I'm doing everything that I do, what I consider to be the right way, the ethical way. And so when things don't go well, I take it real hard, mm-hmm. uh, especially on bad shots like that. And then when something right happens right after that. So I went from ultimate lows to extreme highs all in the matter of, you know, a week. And it, I just, it, it's a really, really, really good feeling. Yeah. No, I've, I've had that feeling before. Hopefully everyone listening has had that feeling before. <laughs> and, uh, yeah especially like if things don't go your way or um you know like actually the deer you can see behind me like i've had that feeling with him and mm-hmm. it's just like everything that went wrong is now forgotten and i can actually breathe again i don't feel like i'm yep. gonna you know have an aneurysm because i haven't killed yep. a deer and yep. yeah like so when you posted that story you know you you're getting up you know emotional like I, I felt that feeling for like I was there in that that your body almost, uh, which is really mm-hmm. cool to and then then you know how happy that guy is too at that moment. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, exactly. Dan Johnson's not a little guy, and he's he's damn near crying like a bitch right now. And <laughs> if it wasn't on camera, I bet he would be. So I can I can imagine yeah. how excited he is right now and how happy he oh, is yeah. because you just you know very few feelings in the world will match that dopamine dump that you get Mm -hmm. well i think it's dopamine i don't fucking know but that dump that happens when the adrenaline dump all of that work comes especially when you've already you know when you've messed up and then it and then it comes full circle so absolutely that had that had to be pretty badass it was it was was, it's a great feeling you know then you go through the phone calls and you know and now I'm looking at his I'm looking at his skull cap right here with his antlers on. Driving to I think one of my favorite things to do is drive to the taxidermist. Oh sure. And talk to that guy. Like I like I, I go to a really really good taxidermist. They're really awesome people. And so you get to catch up with them and and they also do do my processing too. So it's a one stop shop kind of deal. And you get to hang out with people and then you, you know, like I think after that phone call, I talked to Andrew from uh, yeah. the Ohio podcast. I, I talked to a handful of my friends and, you know, kind of told them the abbreviated version. And and then, you know, you, you get home and, I you know, you tell the story to your kids. And um, sometimes they're interested, sometimes they're not. And uh, I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's just one of those things where it just does not get old, man. It doesn't. That's why we all do it. That's why we that's all do right. it. And that's why even though you made this happen you're not totally satisfied because <laughs> you went and bought something for the first time first in time your ever. life uh because we all know that the deer that you know didn't go correct on is still alive and yeah. and well and mm-hmm. uh Iowa unlike Missouri has a uh, rifle season I guess you'd call it rifle, muzzle loader season. It's a muzzle loader season, yeah. Um, I can't use a rifle. Later on, out of the rut, that's coming up, I guess, yep. I'm assuming for you. And uh, you went and bought a freaking muzzle loader, didn't you? I did. I did. Uh, I was telling I was telling a guy I knew, I was like, I felt like I was coming out of the closet <laughs> when I when I told him that I bought a gun because I like up until now everything has been bow hunting, man. Yeah. I, I've never purchased a firearm before in my life. Okay. I've been strictly 
other than and the, the 20 gauge that I have, my mom gave me because someone gave it to her. She's like, I don't need a shotgun here. You take it. And so I have that shotgun and now this muzzle loader. And so I felt like I was coming out to people <laughs> and being like, I'm not just a bow hunter anymore. I'm transitioning into a gun hunter as well. And so, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a different feeling. Actually, I'm going gonna, gonna to give you a quick story so that you make sure you don't make this mistake. Okay. Okay. Uh, cause I don't, I don't even have a muzzle loader and I'm a rifle guy. I love rifles, uh, mostly yep. for, you know, the coyote stuff, but, um, he went to Kansas early season with a muzzle loader tag. And these are the guys that we have on our show the week before the, your show's coming out. And he had a 190 inch deer at, I think he said 10 yards and his primer didn't when he pulled the trigger, all he heard was a click or something. I don't know shit about muzzle loaders, so I don't know. Something happened with his primer or something, and he didn't kill that deer because his muzzle loader screwed up. So when you're doing all your loading and all that crap, make sure you do it perfectly correct mm-hmm. so you don't have something like that happen. I don't know shit about it yep. other than what I just said to you. Um, I know you got to you know put powder in and primer and tamp it down and whatever you want to call it, but um, make sure you know like – Make sure you know that process perfectly so that yep. you don't have him walk in front of you at 10 yards and click. That would suck. <laughs> <laughs> then then you have to either put a new primer in or reload your entire gun. Yeah. So, hold on. Hold yeah. on. I got I got a lot of practice to do and sighting it in before December 18th. So that's when the, the season starts, December 18th. So you yeah, got, it doesn't you got mean some time. Yeah, it doesn't mean that I'm going to go go at that time because it's a three-week season mm-hmm. and but That's i'm really looking asking. forward to it yep so you're gonna get after i'm assuming he's on your he's the one that you're you're trying to come back around to him i would assume that'd be a really yep. cool ending to that story well i'll tell you what it's him and there's even another buck out there that i had pictures of early season just like i did last year i had pictures of him last year and saw him on the hoof late season last year year he was 150 last year he's probably 175 this year he's just a gorgeous he almost looks like my buck that i shot last year but on steroids and so if he's around and he shows back up man i'll shoot i'll shoot that buck too either one of them can get it is what you're saying and yeah either one of them and my wife wants to go too oh that's cool so yeah so i don't know i just thing about this property is it's so good i I don't know if i want to take two more bucks off of it you know what i mean be a badass year though one of you gets him badass year but the other one (laughs) just saying yeah well i'm trying my my wife is like hey i only want to shoot a giant i'm like unfortunately that's really not how it works (laughs) so why don't we just start off with a small buck or the first deer that walks by and then we can stair step into Boone and Crockett range. And I'll be honest, she has, she, there's no way I'm going to let her shoot that. Like <laughs> this may make me sound like a dick, but why in the hell would I want to bring my wife who has, who has only hunted deer one other time in her entire life to come in and on a farm that I had, you know, that I had to get permission on and then just be like, here you go. Choose what you want. 
I know way, dude. It's you not know, that hard. For it. What are you, yeah. Dan? Why do you spend all this time out here? I walked out here for one day and killed a hundred and seventy-five inch deer. You yeah. act like this is hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what you would hear. Yeah, that's exactly. For sure. um, exactly. No, I hundred percent understand it. We had the same conversation about uh, Baraka, which is the deer that Micah killed. Ended up being about mm-hmm. 178, 179 inches. And if Micah would have not been there that day, that deer was on his way towards my son and my, myself. And, you know, the way I approached rifle season with the boys was anytime my sons were with me, I was no longer a hunter. They were. Yeah. yeah. And I had a few people ask me, like, so that deer steps out in front of him. Are you going to let him, like, is that? I said, if it was within 200 yards, because I didn't want the boys shooting outside of the zero. Um, I wanted Mm -hmm. the boys putting the crosshairs right where they're supposed to be. If the deer's at 300, now they have to hold, you know, hold over or, you know, use some MOA dial calculations. And I don't, I'm not doing that. So anything between, you know, 200, 250 and in, I would have let him shot. And a lot of people are like, dude, 12 year old kid kills a 179 inch deer. Like he's ruined. And exactly. I have heard that, but yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I understand that. Cause I'm like, dude, yeah, I guess that makes a good point. The deer's at 300 yards. Like I know I'll hit them. 12 year old might not do it. You know what I'm saying? So, right. um, right. I, I guess, I guess you'll find out if your wife comes with you and that giant deer walks in front of her. <laughs> Here's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for sub zero degree temperatures. Where she's like, well, I ain't sitting in that shit. <laughs> and then I, I go and, and I shoot him. There you go. <laughs> and she, yeah. So I, I like it. Dude, Dan, that's a an awesome story. I just thought it'd be cool to have it on because, you know, for the listeners, there's a lot of guys and, and gals out there right now who are probably down in the dumps, just like me. And yep. um, nothing that either one of us uh, can say to them will make them happy. Um, right. But, you know, it's, it's a good reminder that, the season's long. It's not over yet mm-hmm. just because the rut is over, uh, which is, right. it is. Um, right. I mean, I'm sure there's some does coming in late and uh, some of the younger does. I've noticed young does come in, you know, a little bit later, you know, like those those yearlings that are, are still coming into heat. But um, it ain't over. It ain't over. Nope. So, no, it's not. Uh, Dan Johnson showed you it ain't over. All you got to do is go out there, sit back, think about wrestling. That's it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> There you go. It's easy. All right. Uh, Dan Johnson, Nine Finger Ninja. Thanks for coming on, dude. Hey, absolutely, man. Anytime. Jake Knapp is the inventor of the design sprint and the New York Times bestselling author of the book Sprint. He's also the co-founder of Character, a venture fund for early stage startups. How and why did you start using Miro? I came from this position of thinking, I don't want to be doing stuff online to thinking now when I do a sprint in person with a company, it's like, we're going to use Miro, even though we're all in the same room, because that's a better way for us to get this work done. As an investor, we're basically investing in their ability to solve problems. We're saying, we think this group of people is going to be able to solve a problem in a really great way and create value by doing it. And actually, you need to give people the tools that can help them make decisions, help them collaborate, help them visualize and see things in a different way. 
And Miro does all those things. So to me, at least as an investor, I'm thinking, give the team the tools that are going to help them think, that are going to make the most, brighten their, their skills as smart folks. And Miro is at the top of that list for me. 